a script or anything? Or I don't know, man. Sliding us a play sheet each week. I think you might have a direct fax over to the office. What's going on? It might have to be something like that. I don't know. Notre Dame fans, Lucky Lefty Nation, welcome in to the Lucky Lefty Podcast, the wrap-up show. Sorry it took us a little while to get to you. Notre Dame 31, USC 16. We kind of told you it would go this way. We kind of told you. We told you USC was really bad, undisciplined, couldn't yeah. tackle. And we did. We told you that they were going to target Drake London like 15 to 20 times. Oh, 100%. Well, how, man, how would you like that Drake London package? You you would like that? You know, I like the fact that uh, you, they're committed to their guys. They're not going to say, hey, we're trying to run a system. We're going to run a system around the guys that make plays. You can man. appreciate that about a team. That's a, that's a wide receiver stimulus package like none other. Oh, man. But, you know, the good thing is we, we showed that we can let a guy go off and we can still manage it. Well, we talked about that. Let's get to it. Let's talk about your clean sheet and what you expected the game plan from Tommy Reese. How do you think his game plan was? And we'll get to the grades a little bit later on, but the clean sheet that you gave for the game, the game plan to attack the USC defense, how do you think that played out? I think it played out pretty well in terms of just being able to stay fresh. I think having Kyron be Kyron, he was the player of the game. And I, I like the fact that we, we featured what we were really good at. And we stuck to it. We didn't try to get too cute. You know, I think we stuck to just the tried and true. We found kind of our identity of what we should move forward with. And it, and it provided the points needed, you know, and it, I also think playing consistent and well on offense, you know, puts that battery and that defensive back to do the things that they do. And, and, and they stepped up to the plate. And there's something about a rival game at night at Notre Dame, I was thinking that the score came from when I made the prediction, a similar score we had over at Michigan the night game where we damn near shut them out. So I feel like the crowd really gets into it. It turns into a tough environment, and, and it shows every uh, every now and again. Last time we had a night game with Will and Adoree Jackson first play of the game, similar type of story. So uh, as long as we can keep that tradition rolling, playing them at night at home, we got a chance. And so let's go over here and switch to what you saw from Kyron Williams. Definitely his best game on the season. The offensive line, which has been much maligned from a lot of fans and the national media for the majority of the year. We've told you here that, you know, they just basically look like an average offensive line in college football. And we've just been used to having a dominant offensive line and give them time. The youngsters, Andrew Kostopi, uh Joe Alt. On that left side, just fantastic next to Jared Patterson, combo blocks, you know, working together, getting to the second level finally. And yeah, finally. And Kyron being patient as he is. And then once he sees where he wants to go, putting a foot in the ground and just running physical. And you mix that with missed tackles from USC all night. That's the type of output you'll get from an All-American and Kyron Williams. That's right. And and what I love so much is that it looks like he's got comfortable just like he did last year. It took a little bit getting used to the guys up front, but this is a game where it felt like it all kind of came together. He can be the Kyron Williams that we were so high on yeah. last year and even coming into this year. And, and he's done some great things this year, but 
I think this is the game he feels like he's getting back on track and it looks like it's uh, going his way. All right, before we start getting to the grades for each unit, let's go ahead and listen to Coach Kelly, his thoughts after the game. This is the first step on his team getting much better heading to the second half of the season. I thought tonight was probably that first step that um, where we felt from the, the start of the game to the end of the game, the offense began to come together in the, the, the manner that we wanted it to. We played faster. Um, we, we put Jack in a position where the ball came out quick. Um, we gave him quick, definitive run pass reads, and it really seemed to um, give us the kind of offensive flow that we're looking for. He's, I think he was 20 for 28. Um, and then Kyron Williams ran with, um, you know, just an attitude uh, that was pervasive throughout the entire offense. So you heard it right there. We, we talk a lot, and we know Irish fans have, you know, debated about who should be starting, right? And we have been consistent in saying Jack Cohn should be the starter until Tyler Buckner shows that he's ready to take over the reins for the rest of his career. Like, if he's going to take over the reins, he's the guy for the rest of his time here at Notre Dame or until somebody else beats him out. But what we saw from Jack Cohn on Saturday night really is the true output that you can expect with all things working together. With the offensive line doing the job, having a running game, maybe not as dominant as we're used to, but still efficient enough. And then creative jet sweeps, reverses, getting the ball out of his hands, three-step drops, short drops, and then going deep. Now, I will say this. He's shown us and we know that he doesn't have the arm to really threaten teams deep, especially with the speed that we have on the outside. I mean, we saw Lorenzo Styles Jr. beat his man by like four or five yards. And right. Jack threw it with all that he had. And, you know, USCDB was able to come back and deflect the ball because Styles had to slow up. He's on the throne of Braden Lindsey multiple times this, this year when he's had a DB beaten as well. So, what we see saw from Jack Cohn, if we can get that going forward in the rest of the season, you have to feel comfortable with this team being able to score plus 30 no matter who they're facing, especially with the lack of defense in the teams that we'll, we're going to be facing the rest of the season. You know, I said this earlier in the season, it talks a lot about the momentum of what we can look like when we get going. Mm -hmm. We build momentum and Jack gets him in a rhythm of, like you said, throw a reverse in there, get a quick pass, get a run, let the run be successful, get a play action, take a shot. It's, it reminded us a lot of that first drive of Florida State, just much more throughout the whole game. Yeah. Mike looked comfortable. Tommy felt like he got into his flow. They didn't disrupt the flow by doing too many wrinkles in it. And, and Jack, you know, prove that he can manage a game when things are going right. You know, when the, when the plays are, are, are – his execution is at a veteran level. So for him to be able to take what he's given in the game plan and he can implement it as, and the guys are firing on all cylinders, that's the type of game that Coach Kelly expects. You know, he expects those type of games to be won like that. And when we play like that, it makes it hard to be beaten. You know, we didn't play like that versus Cincinnati. And, and we didn't play like that. I would say in the Toledo game, it was too many wrinkles, too many cute things. 
we got to the bread and butter of what we are, and that's a run-based team. And Kyron, you know, got comfortable with that O-line, is maturing in front of our eyes. And it's, and it's good to see that, like we said, we talked about just a little bit each week, and now can we be consistent in this tough schedule leading on? And you like the mixture now, not just getting, we said it, stop just trying to get Tyler Buckner snaps. Yeah. Like, he needs he's to have practice where he got to get his little four and then the other yeah, guy. Yeah, like, dude, he's very comfortable, and we should feel very comfortable allowing him to come in in the red zone because that's when you really need his running ability that's in right. the red zone. Now, outside the red zone, if you have another, another package where you think he can come in and benefit you, that's fine. But just bring him in just to give him a series in the middle of a game when the flow is already established. That's what you did in Cincinnati, and you spotted them 10 points. You mm -hmm. have to be smart how you get him into the game, get him into the flow at the right time so he's not disrupting what you're trying to do with Jack Cohn. I thought they did a very good job of that on Saturday night. 100%. And, you know, it just feels good when the Irish fan can turn on the TV and check out us executing on both sides of the football. Yeah. And 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 truthfully, you know, this is where we really want to be most of the time. It, it shouldn't be starting in week seven where we're getting on track like this. But overall, I think maybe <laughs> maybe Coach Kelly's sediment, sediments after the game and the early on really hit the team. Uh, they didn't want to get executed. You know, they didn't want to <laughs> face some of those uh, bad guys. <coughs> from coach but uh very confident now i mean you know it changes our my perspective moving forward with some of this we've proven we can win in close games yeah we've proven we can uh win from a lead and come from behind so uh, i think this is a, a good sign moving forward we'll talk about the recruiting weekend that was towards the end of the show after we get your grades but i will say this it's a lot of big time alums that came back this week you know, you had Jerome Bettis in the house. You had Tim Brown in the house. You had Zach Martin in the house. That cat, Chase Claypool, was a superstar. Oh, like, yeah. every every recruit, I think, took a picture with Chase Claypool. That's right. You know, which is huge because he had a big rookie season in the NFL. That's that's the person that the kids probably readily know. That's what the, the precious, you know, absolutely. what have you done for us lately? You that's know. right. So when he walks in the room or he walks in the stadium, he takes center stage. The spotlight is on him. And on a big recruiting weekend, it's good to have somebody like that that the recruits want to connect to and uh, want to have fun and conversations with. So what did you think about the lights out at the end of the third? What, what, what did you think about that? You know, I think it's cool to see us get these trends going. Uh, it's something that's different. I think Georgia does a little bit something like that. I know Florida being there, we did a little bit like that. But I think the recruiting thing is great. I think we finally found our our uh, our juju and <clears throat> as a recruiting tool. I mean, he's everywhere on YouTube to the branding, and he's playing well right now. So that's our juju for Notre Dame, and it's going to be attractive nowadays, especially with the social media blowing up. Yeah, and and guys creating their own brand in the NIL. I think Chase's or Maple Tron has done a great job at at leading the way on how to do it and at a young age. I mean, this is the freshest uh, superstar that we have. You know, I think Jalen still are, you know, and Zach Martin's a really great one too. I'm surprised. But, you know, they're not going to show love to O-line. But having all those stars in the building and, and doing the things like the lights out, it's just something that 
builds that Notre Dame uh, culture. It makes it hard to play, but it's the great traditions that you love to be a part of. You know, the big uglies, you wouldn't know them walking down the street unless somebody told you. You should know Zach Martin. Well, that's, that's but I mean, Zach probably doesn't have a lot of pictures during the game. He doesn't have a lot. That's crazy to say he doesn't have a lot of pictures. You know what I'm saying? Like, offensive linemen really don't get a lot of love during the game with the helmets off. Not great you action shots, no way. Right, wide receiver, they score a touchdown, they follow them to the sideline, they follow them when they sit down, they take the helmet off, right. all of that. So definitely, you man, you know every big-time receiver in the NFL. If you see them walking down the street, you will recognize them. Offensive linemen, uh, maybe not. But, I mean, if you see a big six-foot-four, 330-pound grown man walking in the tunnel, you would think, okay, this has to be one it's of the great right. offensive linemen that was here in Notre Dame. That's right. That's right. Yeah, absolutely. So let's go ahead. Kyron Williams had a big night. He talked about getting the running game going and getting back in his zone. Uh, great, great power for running. The offensive line was special, and he gave them love. Like I said at the beginning of this interview, is just the mindset that we are having coming off this bye week and coming off of Virginia. And that, that run, uh, I just remember pressing their front side, and I seen the whole flash like that in the backside, and I just hit it. Um, and that's just the work of uh, what you just said, J uh, Pat and Kristoffic uh, just doing their job and getting to the second level and making things easier for me um, to do my job. So shout out to them. It's so funny because the style of runner that he is, he needs that guard or that center to work to the second level, get to the linebackers while he's being patient to give him a crease and give him a lane so he can go ahead and run powerfully and break tackles and get you four or five yards and then wear teams down. We started to see it, I would say, late in the second quarter. We kind of predicted that they would begin to wear USC down, even going into the third quarter, and we saw that. So how can we can continue this? Do you think we continue this? Does the run game get better with each game? And are we trending that way after being so terrible in the running game in the first six games? Well, USC's defensive line isn't that great, so – Facts. Mm-hmm. But I mean, if you look we're at the schedule, we you can't have find to, a good yeah. defensive line on the remaining. That's what I'm saying. So we have to, you know, kind of be realistic in the sense of who are we playing as well. This was a game where it was kind of more of expected that Kyron should be the star of the game, and he was, rightfully so. We don't believe that USC got a top 50 run defense necessarily. So, you know, it's something that we saw as a weakness, and we did what we do best. And that's execute on on our game plan of what we want to attack each week. So running game is a one, and but it also shows that when our old line is getting better, our running game and Kyron Williams' name pops up a lot more. So it's it's good to see us do what we're supposed to do, and now we got to do what uh, is is expected, and that's to beat the rest of these teams and have continuous good games in the run in the run scheme. Fortunately enough, we put that on tape. So now we got to do better each and every week. We can't go backwards. And that's just got to be a focus moving forward. 25 carries for 138 yards. Yo, that's a heck of a game. North Carolina coming up, as you said before, their defense, not as bad as USC, but up front, lighting the pans. You can be physical with them. We need time of possession, especially we're going to be missing one of our stars on the defense side of the ball. So it's big that we keep the ball away from Sam Howell and then put pressure on him. We said it, D 
defensively. Don't expect a lot of sacks, but coming into the game in his previous 53 dropbacks, Keaton Slovis had been pressured 19 times. So we knew we could get pressure. I was shocked at Graham Harrell, who we said can't help himself. We said that in the preview. Like he can't help himself. He won't commit to the running game. He came out and did that in the second half because we took the deep game away from them. And we didn't tackle as well as we probably should have in the secondary, but we did a good enough job of getting them into third and five, third and long, and then getting off the field. Offensively, we were nine of 13 on third downs and fourth downs. And when you have that type of efficiency and you stay on the field and you're good at getting USC off the field, you expect to see the type of dominance we saw on Saturday night. And that's what you want to see. And that goes back to Jack Cohn being in rhythm, being an experienced guy, knowing how to execute long drives, being at a Wisconsin offense where they had stayed on the field a long time. That's the recipe for us being able to develop the players around us, the young guys uh, that we have. And when we do it right, that's what it should look like. Now let's do it against a good team. <laughs> right. You know, I mean, you, this is the, the the unfortunate and boring side of Notre Dame football and why we get to the 10 wins so fast is because we put on shows like this yeah. against teams we're expected to play and expected to beat. So for us, we just got to continue doing what we do best, which is that, and we're going and we're going to get in the right spot. So in, in my opinion, I really do believe we can finish strong. It's just going to come down to can we do it when it matters. Yeah, shout out to everybody that's in the chat, Jane McNeil, Rex Miles, Omar Austin, and all of our lucky lefty nation. We appreciate you guys being live with us right now. As we said before, USC falls to Notre Dame 31-16 on Saturday night. Next up, North Carolina. We're just giving you the wrap-up right now. We're about to get to our grades for the units, but before we go to that side, Marcus Freeman, his overall plan. We kind of predicted this, and a lot of our guys that were on the chat for the preview show didn't like it. They wanted Notre Dame to be aggressive and to get out of keep after Keaton Slovis, but we predicted and said, yo, there's no reason to open up and open yourself up to big plays when this team will self-destruct if you give them the opportunity. And that's exactly what Marcus Freeman did when he came out with the defensive scheme he decided to use on Saturday night. Yeah, we're still in we're still in college football. This is not the NFL where you can just say, all right, we're going to sit back and let them self-destruct. Those are paid professionals. We still got amateurs in college football to where, yeah, he's got a lot of uh, hype and accolade and credit to his name. But listen, this, at the end of the day, you still got to go out there and Make it a 10-play drive. As a young guy, that's hard to do. With a guy that we got with five years under the belt, it's a little easier to stay on the field with some comfortability. So challenging those teams to sometimes keep it simple by letting them make the mistake first proves to work in a lot of strategies, and that was one of those tonight. We knew Drake London is a, a supreme talent, and they're going to show all of his capabilities. And we know he was going to get some catches regardless of whoever's out there because that's just what they've been able to do just like Michael Crabtree and when Graham Harrell was there. So we expected that and we, we countered it by allowing them to do what they do, but making it not explosive plays and just being able to rally and tackle. Like you said, we didn't tackle as well, but at the same time, we're doing well on offense. So they're trying things and taking more risk. We just got to be able to rally and, and keep the ball in front of us 
And with teams like that, I mean, we're really uh, we're really gonna be a, a good team and a challenge moving forward. Yo, Kyle Hamilton, as we said before, injured himself. Uh, no structural damage. Uh, we're thankful about that as Irish fans. He had a pinch pad nerve. Now, I first of all, you know, I had to go look at and Google it, right? You know, your WebMD. Yo, I didn't even know it was a fat pad in the knee. I'm like, what is a pinched fat pad, dude? What the heck is that? And it's actually right behind your kneecap. It's a light there to give you cushion. And uh, it's very painful, you know, when it gets pinched. And uh, you saw he was limping at first, couldn't put any weight on it. Eventually, he was able to walk around the entire second half and walk off the field. But, yeah, you can go ahead and Google that, the pinched fat pad in his right knee. That's what he has. And uh, he was announced out for the North Carolina game today. So DJ Brown will be starting in his spot. And uh, our guy, Ramon. For the rest of the year, man, look. Once again, once again, brother, look, Lucky Lefty Nation, you have two cats right here that love, we absolutely love Ramon Henderson. We absolutely love the kid. We think he's multifaceted. He can play outside. He can play in the slot. He's big enough that you can even put him in the safety or head right. safety. If you want to go dime and put him at the rover, you can do that. This kid is always in position, but always grabbing. Again, Saturday night, it's like you're right there. If you turn around, you literally can pick the ball you off. Got it. Yeah, you got it. And that's just a, that's just something that you just you get better with time. Yeah. It just it, it happens. Like remember, Cam Hart was in the same position. And and usually those guys that that get in those, like, I even call it the Trayvon Diggs syndrome, that anytime the ball around you, you're probably beat, but somehow it tips up and you get the pick, and now you've right. got, you know, six, seven picks on season. Yeah, it's, it's something similar to that. You know, those guys are either going to do this or they're going to do this. That's just how some players are. I look at, you know, Will Fuller, a guy that got in a couple times, ran past a few guys. He underthrew him, and he was oh, who was that? Next thing you yeah. know, he three years and out, you know, so it's – Sometimes it, the the ball rolls for guys like that, but in the situation for him, he's gonna he's gonna turn that around. Especially him gaining confidence and seeing on film, I'm right there. Right. <laughs> Usually, you know, you see it enough, you'll start making plays on it, and, and you know, Marcus Freeman having the confidence in him to put him out there and stay positive is uh is gonna do good for him. It's amazing that it took the injury to Chris Tyree and Joe Wilkins to see Lorenzo Styles running back kickoffs. And out there catching balls. It's like when you see the speed that he has and how fast he moves in the offense, it's like, wait a minute. And, and why hasn't he been on the field more in the first six games? Like, what's going on? It was good to see him and Deion Cozy be able to contribute on Saturday night besides special teams. And yeah, fourth quarter. Yeah, I mean, you know, Notre Dame, we had Chase Claypool. And 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 the Chase Claypool now wasn't the Chase Claypool in Notre Dame. So it just shows you that we are going to recruit. We don't forget we're a top five program as well. All time. All time. All time. So we're going to have people. Whether whether Coach Kelly lets you see him or not, he's going to flash <laughs> him out there, let you know that he he's still in his recruiting bag. You know, he ain't gonna let he ain't gonna let the cat out the bag all the time. But just know Notre Dame is a top five program all time for a reason. He's a winningest coach all time in Notre Dame for a reason. 
and he recruits great coaches with that. I mean, Matt LaFleur was our coach for a year, and you see what he's doing with the Packers. So uh, it's just one of those things, man. Uh, we got guys. Even now, if you don't stay long at Notre Dame, you come through to get the blessing. You know that's what right. I mean? That's right. Now, do we have yeah. distinction? Do we got Alabama guys? Now, I think we got guys that can turn into that, but when you don't let the cat out the bag all the time, and you give them packages like a Tyler Buckner situation, it makes it a little delayed, you know, a little delayed. But we yeah. do have guys that could be that, but the way we do it, you know, you get surprised. You turn around and like, we got this Henderson kid, who's that? You know, that that's the kind of thing we're working with currently. Let's talk about one specific play. Matter of fact, you got your red pen ready? Got my red so pen. You got it? You got it? It's matching your hoodie? Yes, it is. All right, so let's talk about this, though. And I can't wait to see what our chat and Lucky Lefty Nation have to say about this. The interception, Chris Steele's interception. You know, a lot of people blame Jack Cohn. A lot of people blame Kevin Austin on that play. What does the Lucky Lefty himself have to say about that particular interception? Because I already have my thoughts, but I want to hear your thoughts first. I just think it's the quarterback just because, you know, the best offense, the better ball always beats the best defense, you know. So because of that, I just think you got to put it in a spot where only your guy can get it. And as a fifth-year guy, I, I can't be easy on him and be like, well, I just have – you know, I think he's got to be able to make that play. But it's a game of – it's a game of competition. Your, your best good versus good. Help your quarterback out. Kevin Austin has the ability to make any bad pass a good pass. So it's it can be 50-50, but I'm going to put on the quarterback to give him more responsibility. The only reason I'll say this, it was literally a perfect storm, right? Because, I mean, it wasn't an awful pass. Kevin yeah. Austin had an opportunity to make the play. It wasn't the back shoulder where it should have been. But they clearly showed on the broadcast, and this is what a lot of people are missing out. Kevin Austin caught the ball with two hands. Yes. Before he went into Chris Steele's chest and had one foot down. Legally, that's a catch. Oh, I mean, that's a catch. I'm sorry. That's a catch. So at worst, it's a catch and a fumble recovered by Chris Steele. Yeah. Now, if you're going to call it an interception, it's not joint 50-50, you know, simultaneous reception. Because Kevin Austin had the ball with one foot down before the ball contacted the chest of Chris Steele. But that's what I'm saying, though, where it goes back to the quarterback, is that how in the world is Kevin Austin, the tall Kevin Austin we all know, catching the ball in a situation where the guy that he's going against is inside. That's a ball you go high and outside. And even then, you're throwing it short because he's tall. You got to let him slow down and you lose his lane. So that's where ball placement has to be A1 because when you throw yeah. a 50-50 like that, you're going to get freaky freaky outcomes. It's a freaky outcome. Does it? Could it happen 10 times in a row? Absolutely not. No way Christian does that any other time. No way Kevin Austin – can try to do that because nine times out of ten you give him a good ball, he's gonna come down. Hey, I agree with you totally. Shout out to our guy Omar Austin, 
No, he just said that wasn't an interception call. <laughs> Cone had bad placement, just like the ball to Mayor. I forgot about the ball to Mayor. Now, he had perfect placement on the ball on the first drive to Kevin Austin. Kevin Austin, just his eyes lit up. He saw end zone. That's he right. tried to run before he got it in his hands. That's all on Kevin Austin. And as I said before, USC likes to bump and run in coverage, but they never bump anybody. So it's yeah. really just run coverage. Yeah, so, shadow coverage. Yeah, Notre Dame was just running all over the field, going wherever they wanted to go. And we predicted that the middle of the field would be wide open because wow. USC safeties just aren't good. And, and that was the case all night. All right. We're about to get to our grades right here. Malik Zaire grades for each unit presented by Onara Whiskey, the premium America whiskey. Go to onarawhiskey.com. Got your, you got your you got your pen ready? I'm really I'm really giving a I'm really giving an A all around, man. Oh, I, you're about I, to see there you go, man. I think you we I think like they brought you apples last week. What's good? We graded the test well today, man. I think honestly, it was good to see all phases get that next step. I it feel is. like we're hitting our stride to where we go undefeated in this little stretch right here. We get better when it gets colder. You see what I'm saying? We get better when it gets colder. And on top of that, it I feel like this is a season we can sneak in there and possibly do something crazy, provided, yeah, provided our play calling situationally remains fresh. We can't have a good start out with a good 10-play script. Right. We're not a plays by the end of the third. We're not <laughs> able to have those situations in that fourth down and five or that third yeah. and eight we really need, I need to see some guys running wide open. So That's I'm going to push back. I'm going to push back just a little bit, right? I know you're trying to give A's across the board because it's the most complete game that Notre Dame has played all year. That's okay? Right. I don't, you know, I only allow five seconds to talk about this dude per show. All right? Look here, man. There's no way we're getting special teams in A. Jonathan Dorr, that's all I need to say. Let's move on to the next subject, all right? The offensive line cannot get an A because of one person. That's Kane Matt. Have to give you a B plus, maybe an A minus. Maybe. Maybe. You know what I mean? Maybe. Yeah. Like I said, that special teams guy, he only gets five seconds. Okay. You know my relationship with kickers is not good, man. My mom always taught me if you don't have anything good to say, don't say nothing at all. Don't say nothing. So let's spend well, the five. We'll spend that, that's five. it, man. He got his five seconds. <laughs> other than that, <laughs> other than that, you talk about Marcus Freeman. A lot of fans, and I want to hear what see what the the chat. I'll bring up a couple of comments. Marcus Freeman, I thought called one of his best games. And our guys on Irish breakdowns, our brothers kind of mentioned it, but you know. Imagine Coach Kelly coming into the locker room in the bowl game, and he told you that you and Ev were going to split uh, snaps, right, for LSU. But he says, Malik, you're going to run Ev's plays, and Ev, you're going to run Malik's plays, meaning we're, you're going to do everything – that takes you out of what you love to do. And we already know what Marcus Freeman loves to do as a coordinator. And he thought best to go against his natural inclination of what he loves to do to choose what's best for his team and his defense. 
when he decided to go ahead and not be as aggressive attacking USC and opening up opportunities for Drake London and some of their special skills, uh, their wide receivers and tight ends. I like that he showed that he's a, a competent coach to what he's dealing with. And, and why I say that is I talk a lot about the analogy I showed, I talked about earlier on the previous show about this, this team being a wild dog. They mm -hmm. are disciplined. You can't just run up on no wild dog because you don't know what he can do. And we talked about how Drake London is going to go off. This is not the game to let him go off and make explosive plays down the field, especially when we know we're going to him. It's not necessary to put us in a position to be one-on-one -on, -one on the island with the guy that we know he's getting it, and we know the guy throwing it is good enough to get to him. Even if you're putting him in a pressure position, we don't want to take those chances. We don't have to. So if we were able, and Marcus Freeman did a great job of taking his time to corner the wild animal before he go in there for the, for the snuff. You know, you got to be smart about how you would attack a defense that, I mean, an offense that can explode because you know they got the name brand players. But you know they're going to shoot themselves in the foot, so you got you to gotta carefully go in there and, and, and take them down. Yeah, man, we have a question from one of our Lucky uh, lucky Lefty Nation listeners. Brandon, Brendan Cordial, I'm sorry. As the quarterback, how much of a two-way conversation is there with the OC or head coach to advocate for a certain play or approach to a game based on how the defense is responding? Well, you got a guy like Ian Book. I'm sure him and Tommy had a great relationship developed over three years of where, you know, you got – what the most or almost the most wins or whatever the case is as a Notre Dame quarterback, just the respect level is there. Yeah. So a lot of times it depends on the relationship. A guy like Trevor Lawrence, he probably called his own plays at a certain point. Or, right. You know, it also depends on the, the quarterback himself. Some guys just are like, just, I don't care. Just call it. I'm going to just run it. Other guys, you know, particularly guys that are aware of their strengths and weaknesses, which are usually the, the better players of the league that have good NFL careers, usually gear more of what they're good at and what they're not so much good at. They're more involved into the game plan. So uh, for a guy like Jack Cohn, especially being a one-year guy that has a, a good knowledge base of football and how different things work, I'm sure him and Tommy – sits down and, and communicate on things they can really, you know, attack. Because, one, they probably have to balance each other out considering Jack lacks a certain parts to his game. And then Tommy knows that because they're kind of the similar players, so they know how to complement each other's style, which proves to, to work really well because they're in sync. So I know they're probably talking a, a decently good amount. Now, for Buckner, I know they just giving him – plays and say, you know, take this and kick rocks, you know. So that's it just shows that a respect comes. Even if, you know, Tyler probably sees some things, you know, they not, you know, they get paid a lot of money not to 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 just be listening to anybody. You know? <laughs> so, go take us and our listeners into that quarterback room because when you see Notre Dame walk out, Drew Pine is usually at the front of the line, right? next to the offensive lineman and it seems like he's just one of the leaders on the team and everybody really gathered you know rallies around him when he comes into the game and they have a lot of respect for him so 
a guy like that that's not really getting a lot of playing time, like how impactful is his attitude on the sideline? Because it looks like they genuinely pull for each other, Cone, Buckner, and Andrew Pine. Yeah, I think the pecking order is is established, you know, without really having to say anything. So it kind of makes the tensions a lot easier. And Drew Pine's sort of like a Jared Dudley, you know, he's just a guy you love to have on the team. You got he got some good experience, but you know, whenever he gets in, you're just happy to see him get in. He's a good teammate, a uh, good role player, fits his role well. He's not trying to be the Baker Mayfield or the Kyler Murray of the team. Yeah. He's, he's he's a good Jared Dudley player, you know. He's going to do his job, and and guys love him for it as a great teammate. So, uh, in the in that type of quarterback room, the personalities fit. You got a newcomer with a young guy and a guy that the team loves. So, you know, they usually gel well together because they're probably all three helping each other, and you know, it's, it's competitive, but not in the sense where they can't. Uh, they can't. It's a different type of competition, you know. It is a little different, but. It's a lot more fun loving, but it just shows when, you know, we also don't have a Baker Mayfield or a Kyler Murray either. So from a a superior talent, well, more Kyler Murray, a superior talent level where it just it just makes any room uneasy. <laughs> uh, that's facts. We got another comment from one of our lucky lefty nation listeners, John A1. And I, I agree with this, this comment here, Freeman. Did a great job after losing Hamilton in the first quarter and holding USC to its lowest points total in over a year, just 16 points. Look, the number I gave was 24 in my prediction because even 24 would have been the lowest total of the season. I gave them 10. And you gave them 10. You you saw the possibilities of holding them to 10 points. And yeah, it was yeah, yeah. yeah, so just talk about that. Like you that your thought process included Kyle Hamilton. But with Cal Hamilton being out two and a half quarters, how did DJ Brown and the rest of that secondary play? Yeah, I think it. I, I, the reason why I thought it was ten because just the environment. You know, I know USC is a little softer when they get into a cold situation, and, and you yeah. know, hearing what the guy said, I already know that's that's what the team is is thinking. You know, that's what the team is thinking. So. Uh, <laughs> So, so I already knew it was going to be tough if we just were physical with them. And then after a while, man, that ball gets a little hard to catch towards the end when you're out there all day. So um, I know that it was going to give our guys some confidence playing top down. They knew what they were facing, and they knew that this was a team that if you get on them early, you can really start making plays and going crazy. So with 14 being out, uh, next man in mentality is a real thing at Notre Dame, and I think Marcus Freeman fits well with adjusting to that and having his players ready to be stepped in, and that's just a credit to the coaching staff, you know, being on those guys about being prepared and knowing their job. So once again, Notre Dame, 31-16 over USC on Saturday night. We keep the jewel shillelagh. Uh, it's, it's been here in South Bend for a long time now. So that trend is probably going to continue for another two or three years because it's going to take USC a long time to rebuild this program. As I said before, coming into this game, Dante Williams was an interim uh, head coach. You know, his staff is probably sending out fillers. The agents are reaching out to people trying to find the next place of employment. And, you know, they've shown the previous three games that they'll play hard at the beginning of the game, but 
you can be physical with them and snatch their souls and they'll give up. Dante Williams, guys, you know how we do it on the slant. You know, we'll have the slant for you on tomorrow. And we're already telling you that Dante Williams will be on the petty train on the slant tomorrow. The fact that he, in his post-game press conference, said that, you know, they didn't lose. He didn't feel like they lost the game. He felt like they just ran out of time. It's like, I don't know what game he was watching. He was watching it from the, I really want this job at the end of the season. You know, he was like, right. I didn't do that bad, for real. Right. me for next year. Right. It's like, dude, come on, man. We're going to have to put you on the petty train because that was crazy. Even Drake London, who was sitting to his left, took a look at him like, what? Yeah. No. Like, man, what are you talking about? Yeah. Let's up. talk about some of the recruits. Like we said, it was a big recruiting weekend. Over 100 recruits were on campus. Uh, yeah, man. Xavier and Wonka, who was – he's the must-get, right? He met with the coaches. All reports say that they pretty much told him, you know, watch number 14. This is how we see you in this defense, and this is how you can be great. He's the number one safety on the board from the state of Iowa. He was in the building. It's down to Iowa, Ohio State, and Notre Dame. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's, that's the three. His decision is coming soon. All reports in this past weekend is that everything was better than Notre Dame even expected it to be. And that the most impactful thing that happened is how much his mom fell in love with Notre Dame. You know, when you get the mom on board, you get the mom on board, you're doing a pretty good job. Yeah, I think Notre Dame does a great job of building an aesthetic with us having a great game against a rival. And, I mean, you know, it's just one of those things where it's a hard place to not want to go to when 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 you just are there in that in that 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 building. So and they got to they got to feel what 40 degrees is gonna feel like. That's right. He's from Iowa, yeah. so he'll be all right. He yeah, he'll be all right. But there's some guys from California and other warm states that got to come and say, you know, okay, this is the Midwest cold. All right, I can deal with this. Yeah, but you haven't really been here in December yet. But I'm glad you felt it at 40. <laughs> not, like, not 10 and below zero. But like you said, it was a great environment. Big time alums on the sideline. They had the light show. It was your arch rival. A lot of the kids that USC is recruiting as well were on the sideline. So they got to see you and the place that your program is in compared to the place that USC is in. So that's a bigger statement. Walker Howard, the quarterback commit from LSU. We know the messy situation. He was in town with his family. His father, quarterback for LSU in the 90s, was a hard commit until everything happened with Ed Orgeron. More than likely, they're going to wait around to see what, who the hire is and who the OC is at LSU. But big-time imprint made by Notre Dame this weekend. A relationship with Tommy Reese had already been established for years prior to them. Uh, looking at Notre Dame and the fact that he and his dad are looking at Notre Dame says a lot about the relationship with Tommy Reese. And if you go watch the tape on this young man, his ability to move in the pocket, he might not be able to do Lamar Jackson type things with his legs on the field, but he can move in the pocket, knows how to manipulate the pocket, and the arm is pretty good. I mean, I guess. Look, this is petty. I'm going to put you on the petty train tomorrow, man. I try to talk up the Notre Dame, Notre Dame possible recruit 
that could commit, and you are just stuck on your 2023 guys, the 2023 target. That's what it is. No, a lucky lefty nation. All of that is that's Malik hating right now, being petty. <laughs> Because he's all about Nico, I'm Maliva, and all about Dante Moore. That's that's all that is. I want a guy that's on TV, ESPN, magazines. I gotta, I want to catch him on some, you know, some viral thing. He throwing it behind his back. I want a superstar, bona fide guy. <laughs> Walker Howard, I, I mean, I mean, he might be. I don't know, but if this is the first time I'm really hearing about him, then. I mean, I don't know. Not that I know all the quarterbacks out there. It's just like we would. I would like a a name like a Trevor Lawrence. You know, we know he going to the league in eighth grade. We that's like something that's like that. I want. Pretty, I want pretty a, much. Once again, you're pointing to Dante Moore. That's what you're doing. Hey, listen. That's what you're doing. Right we getting a bunch of guys that we like. Who is that? We got. A, oh, he he lived in my dorm. Oh, oh, he's a quarterback. Oh, okay. You know, come on, let's get a guy that we got to shut down the school for, like a Jimmy Clausen hype. You know, let's try that again. I think that some guy that can throw it over the – may not be accurate, but he can throw it 100 yards, you know, something like that, something to wow the crowd with. I think that, a, you know, just liven up the room a little bit and not make it look so um, so simple, so standard, you know, add some pizzazz to it. That's why Nico, you know, 6'6 guy, move around a little bit. Why not? You know, something that uh, big time arm, big yeah. time. You know, I love getting the 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 guys that look like Tommy Reese and everything, and you know, got the five eleven stature. That's cool. You know, that's that works. But you want some guys that look like pros? Yeah, we we, we time five now. You know, I wouldn't even mind a guy like a uh, what's the what's the uh, the guy from from Texas last year? A guy like a. Uh, He's escaping my mind. Guy that just left from Texas, Sam Ellinger. We get like a like a Sam Ellinger, maybe you know. Or a, wait a minute, y'all. You wait a minute. Maybe not a Sam Ellinger. Yeah, Sam. Sam is pretty much Ian Book. Sam's a little rougher than Ian. Ian's kind of smooth. I think Ian's a smooth. I mean, he's a body type. Body type. Yeah, he's like probably that. stockier than Ian Book. Yeah, but like I mean, they're pretty much. I know what you're saying. You want a Justin Herbert. Yeah, like a CJ Stroud because like CJ Stroud's like six three, two, like a knock two. out of the park. We just gotta, oh, yeah, that's a that's a dude, yeah. yeah but I mean, Bryce Young isn't exactly that big, but he's but a Bryce, dude. I knew about Bryce Young from the beginning, modern day, you know, and Caleb Williams isn't that big, but he's a dude. I mean, Caleb Williams, I heard about him his sophomore year, he was like Russell Wilson, and I had it, you know, Devin Butler was coaching him. DB, yeah, D, that's my guy. Shout out to him. He put me on to Caleb Williams before he blew up, and then when he became number one and all that, I was like, saw, so I was like, yeah, he's legit. And then he got the, you know, so that's what I'm talking about in terms of knowing about a guy. I'm hearing from other people. You want the buzz early on, like here in Chicago, literally when Derrick Rose was in eighth grade, like Cassidy knew, people Cassidy. knew. Like, Everybody we were already talking about high school and college. Like, in eighth grade, we were like, oh, this dude. And Andrew Bard, Marker. Right, both of them. Exactly. They're they're pros. So, I, I honestly, Walker, I don't understand. Like, yeah, yeah. You know, Walker, I get it. You know, maybe he's like a Phillip Rivers. You know, his dad played and coached or whatever. And so, 
But that's not wowing nobody on the message boards. Or maybe it is. I don't know. I don't you being that. more you being more harsh on the prospects than you were on the actual grades for the team this week. That's not harsh. That's it has nothing to do with being harsh on him. I'm just saying that as a recruiting staff, as a top five program of all time, you would expect us to get the Trevors and the and the Tua's and the Jalen Hurts or the you know how the Justin Field, the way I mean they've been knocking it out the park every every year. And so I feel like that's that should be us. Of course, Billy Shroff, offensive lineman from uh, Wisconsin. Everything's trending. Um, no commitment over the weekend, but the seesaw battle seems to be ending, and it seems like he's going to end up at Notre Dame. That's a huge get for Notre Dame to get either him or Zach Rice. Zach Rice ended up committing to the opponent for this weekend, which is North Carolina. Looks like Notre Dame is going to be able to seal the deal with Billy Schroff, uh coming up soon. Uh, local kid, Drake Bowen, linebacker, Alabama, Auburn, Georgia, Notre Dame. His decision has been set, I believe, for November the 9th coming up. Uh, he had a fantastic time. He's a local kid from the Maryville area. And it's funny because he's a local kid, and you would think Notre Dame is like, we got this, but this is a kid that has been very open about how much he's loved uh, SEC football and always wanted to play in the South. And Notre Dame, with Marcus Freeman, when he came in, had to play a little bit of catch-up with a kid that's local, which is kind of strange, but it kind of reminds me of how they played catch-up with Drew Tranquil as well, you know, having to catch up and overtake Purdue. And eventually he chose Notre Dame. I mean, hold on. That's an easy choice. Drew knew what he was doing. I'm just saying in the sense of catching up. This is to- the, the, the schools you're trying to catch up on now with Drake Bowen are totally different when you start talking about the Auburns and Alabamas and Georgias. Yeah, I mean, I think it's cool to see him try to reach outside of – I think it's cool to see him try to reach outside of being local – yeah. Uh, you know, if you want to, I've wanted to play in SEC. That's why I went down there for my graduate transfer year. So I know, I know what he kind of feels like. Mm-hmm. But being able to be at Notre Dame, I was able to play all of those schools, US, uh, USC to the LSUs. To the, you know, the only team I didn't play is probably Bama. That's the only team I haven't played in college football is Bama. I played everybody else, I feel like. So I think that's pretty cool to see. Um, but listen, all these recruits, Notre Dame's just a great place to, to want to go to. Yeah. Uh, it's hard to compare it to any other school when you're thinking about recruiting because it just lies in a different category. Uh, SEC football is pretty straightforward, man. You know, it's, yeah. it's pretty straightforward. Like you, you don't <clears throat> be football. So if that's what you chase in to play in the NFL, Slam dunk guarantee you a high enough prospect. SEC is a good route to go. If you just want a little more, go to Notre Dame. It's a little more of a challenge. Yeah. But usually people that like that kind of challenge and got some great support from their parents, they, they usually fall towards Notre Dame with just a better, a better call out, it feels like when you uh when you up there making those decisions. Hero Canoe, 
and Anthony Lucas, defensive linemen, were also here for the game, big-time recruits. And it's very important. And I want to – look, I, I don't have a problem if you give them the defensive line A, especially early on. They did a great job applying pressure and making Keaton Slovis uncomfortable. And I'm going to be honest, you know, I give flowers to every kid that shows up and plays hard for Notre Dame and earns their scholarship. And Kurt Heinisch has done that. But, man, I'm tired of seeing that dude on the ground, man. Yeah. Um, you know, yo, and, and he he plays hard. Don't get me wrong. Like, I'm really not trying to be disrespectful. He plays hard, and he's giving you everything he has. He's probably still injured as well and probably came back a little bit early. Team captain, he exemplifies everything that you want a Notre Dame athlete to exemplify. He's been exemplary on the field exemplary on the field and off the field. But, man, I I, I need some stout Stephon Tua-type guys in the middle of that defense so our linebackers aren't left out on the island so much. Yeah, we – we it's it's like a, a huge eye test. It's like we say about Bugner. We, we know he's athletic. We yeah. know he can run around, but he runs like a running back way too hard. It's just he doesn't have that quarterback run style. Whereas, like, oh, let me be shifty or let me, you know, kind of he like, man, I'm running it and I'm taking all challenges. I'm physical. I'm Coach Shea, run this play. I'm going to run it to the best of my ability. I'm going to do everything he tell me to do. And it's and that's great. Right. You know? But then you got your your talent like Stefan to it to where it's like, yeah, put him out there. He's going to make a play. You know, he gonna pop up. You like, oh, there, there you go. You know? Right. Not much you gotta gotta tell him, and he may not be the most exemplary Notre Dame student athlete. He may not have all the intangibles like other guys, but he's a guy that you want on the field. Yes, definitely. One hundred percent. We need. You know, we love Kurt. You know what he does, hiring what he does for the team. He's a great leader. But we need some dudes now. Not that he knows you. We need some yeah. guys like he may not talk to you on a, on a Monday. <laughs> Facts. It's weird stuff like that. He may not. He just may not even speak to you. But as long as he show up to practice, he's gonna do what he needs to be, get done, and he's gonna cause problems. And that's that's a nice balance to a to a Heinrich. You know, sometimes you need that dude that creates the whisper among the teammates. Yeah, like is he you okay? know what I'm saying? Like you're right, exactly. Like yo, you straight. What happened? Did somebody do something? What happened? Are we we gonna be all right at practice, or are we gonna have a problem? Like, what's... For sure. Hey, we got about five minutes before we get out of here, man. Are we gonna treat Bo Bauer like we did Cam Hart? Because you know we've been giving Cam Hart hell. Like, bro, you gotta you, you gotta score six on that interception. You can't run out of bounds. Now you know Bo is a linebacker. He's got about forty pounds on Cam Hart. We I think he's running. But you can't get caught. You can't get caught by the – you got to truck the, the quarterback, man. The way he was running, it's like it was the one chance he was – that he dreamed about growing up, like when he catches it in the, under the lights. And it was – Right. It's not a it's not a very everyday occurrence for him, so he was just going till it ended. He wasn't thinking end zone. End zone would have been great, but he was just loving that. Just um, But, you know, the closer you get to the end zone, it's like – this dude is not stopping me. Like, in my mind, I'm like, the last dude that's going to bring me down 
It's Keaton Slovis. But you saw how the light show was. You saw all the fans and stars, and it, 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 it's a lot. You and you and you on center stage doing that, and you got caught right in front of the recruits, my yeah, man. Yeah. Of course, of course, you got tapped right there in front of the recruits. Man, it was like it, he felt like he was the only one on the field at that moment. I already know. He said, "I a." Hey, this is it, <laughs> you know. He said, "This is it. I gotta, I gotta get in. There. I just gotta live in the moment, man." That's, Yo, that's crazy. Was that night game against Texas? Was that like one of the games that sticks out for you? Man, the moments stick out for me because I didn't play as much as I felt like I should have. So every every snap counted for me, and I loved every second. And and damn, I wish I could have finished the game. I played too damn good. I couldn't even play the fourth quarter in that Texas game. So. uh <laughs> Any any chance I got out there was great, and uh, I'm glad I made the most out of it. Well, we talked about the opportunity for Notre Dame to make a statement, not only to USC, but to the rest of the nation, that the team you saw the first six games is not the same team you're going to see for the second half of the season. They made a great statement to all the recruits that were in the building. Everything off the field and on the field was exactly how you could imagine it to be to be impactful for Notre Dame as a program for this year and in the future. Yeah, these are slam dunk nights. Uh, we, we we got the system built to where these are nights where we, we, we locking in recruits. Uh, another night of execution for us. Um, it's really good to see us stay ahead of these recruiting. Um, these recruiting visits is as crazy as things have gotten these days. It's good to see us in the right direction. But also, man, it just credit to Coach Kelly keeping that culture going, uh, keeping the tradition going, and uh, you know, hopefully, we can snag some of those guys we talk about. All right, we just added a new segment this week. You know, they give out the game balls in the Notre Dame locker room, and they sing the fight song. We don't do that right here on Lucky Lefty. What we do is we take a sip, and we pour some. We take a sip and pour some out for the player of the game on both sides, presented to you featuring Anora Whiskey at AnoraWhiskey.com, premium American whiskey. So take a sip and pour some out for who on the offensive side of the ball. It's pretty Jared awesome. Patterson. Jared Patterson for me. Oh, man, you went off the board. Jared Patterson board. was like 25 to 1 to get this one. Go ahead. I love it because, you know, finally, you know, he was an All-American going in preseason. He was up for all the awards. And to lead that line in a progressive uh, in a progressive way to get better each week, uh, sticking it out with the people that are in and out and rotating around and, and having a complete game after a bye week, credit to his leadership because it takes leadership to be able to be progressive each week, even though we – bash him here and there. He was able to step those guys up. I know he had some part in it, and it showed. Got Kyron going in offense, looking dominant. Got to give him the game ball. All right, on defense side of the ball, we take a sip, pour some out for who? Shoot, man. I got to do Marcus Freeman, man. Holding, oh. the team, holding the team to the lowest lowest point that we knew they were very effective on offense. We knew they had some, some flash. But, you know, credit to the black man, man, getting it done, holding it down, uh, getting those guys next man in. is I think, you know, a lot of guys in college football, when you got a guy like 14, you depend a lot on him. And so when he went, we went out of the game, it was good to see him having guys ready to go. 
guys stepping up and making plays. And so that's something to keep in mind if you're a recruit. Yeah. That, shoot, that if you get in that game, man, you're going to be ready and it's going to be exposed if you're not. So uh, it's good to see Coach Kelly getting the young guys in. I know he said that a lot earlier in the season. But, uh, you know, through hella high water, next minute mentality, it looks really good tonight. Absolutely. This has been the wrap-up show. Uh, wrapping up, Notre Dame's 31-16 win over the USC Trojans. You know that was a big win for me this weekend, right, bro? In my household, you know, I was huge. Right? Proud dad moment, man. Yes, yes sir. Yes, sir. Yeah. You know, bragging rights for a year. Right. Get to talk much, get to take my trash talk out to the Coliseum next year. That's right. You, know you got, a lot, got a lot of booze, a lot, a lot of booze. Yes, sir. Get some warm weather next November. You know, be out there for you know my family, you know, my wife and my daughters, their birthdays in November. So we're That's celebrating right. LA. And That's I'll right. talk a little ish. What's your, what's your, what's your, what's your you know what I'm saying? Wear my, my blue and green, right. a little gold right. to it. <laughs> Have a little fun. As always, man, we appreciate Lucky Lefty Nation. You can subscribe to Lucky Lefty Podcast on YouTube, and you can listen to all of our podcasts on Apple Podcasts. Just go ahead and type in A2S Network or Lucky Lefty Podcast. Hit us up on Instagram and Twitter at Lucky Lefty Pod. You know, just a couple of comments before we get out of here. My guy Omar Austin, one of our day ones, said man before you leave can you say something about Kane Madden not blocking anyone look we have been pretty consistent on every show about how we feel about Kane Madden yeah definitely Kane Madden so look he's like Jonathan Dorr I'm not I'm three seconds that's five it seconds. oh yeah, 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 yeah. Five seconds, move on. we're moving on all right the slant's coming up tomorrow for you guys we'll be talking about Brian Kelly's press conference We'll talk about the USC game just a little bit more, and then we'll start looking forward to North Carolina and then wrap up the weekend in college football. It should be fantastic. Uh, some more upsets. And I told you, hey, you sometimes, bro, you have to listen to me. You know, for right. Irish Breakdown, I am the handicapper, the mm -hmm. handicapper for That's Irish right. Breakdown. So, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I told you that Navy would give Cincinnati problems. Yeah, but I keyed you on that. You did. You did. You know what I'm saying? I told I also told you that Notre Dame was a good bet for the six. And my lock for the week, my lock for the week that I told people to run to the window and put, man, whatever you can get, scrape up. Look under the pillows, look under the couch covers, whatever. Find everything you can scrape together and go put it on Ohio State to cover. Like I told him, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. I was like, dude, Ohio State's gonna put up another 50 60 easy on easy. Indiana, and they did it yeah. in the back, dude. They had 35 like in the first 15 first minutes, quarter. yeah, first quarter, yeah. yeah, those bananas. So, you know, listen to your boy, that's you right. Know, hey, never, lie. never lie, never lie, right here. Lucky Lefty podcast, you know, we spin it different. For my man, the original Lucky Lefty himself, Malik Zaire at Overtime Malik. I am Sean Davis at SD2 Mics. Until tomorrow on The Slam, we bid you adieu. As always, go Irish. Go Irish, baby. <laughs>